I'm Rich McKenna, Sheriff Richard Roundtree. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon. It's been a long time I shouldn't have left you without a podcast to listen to. What's going on, man? This is Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. First and foremost, just want to say shout out to the online movement and everyone who's involved. I appreciate you all's support. Social media is really huge. And just my personal page, man, I've had a lot to say, you know, about a lot of different things that have been going on. And I just appreciate you all's support um, in that regard and certainly with what's going on with Making a Difference. Before we jump into a crazy good show, I got so many things to talk about uh, today. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to uh, thank the Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Lane Walker Boulevard in Augusta, Georgia. If you're looking for affordable health care and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. I also want to mention TaxWise Financial at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. Professional and affordable representation, a wise choice. For all your tax needs, TaxWise Financial, 706-305-1412. Also, my good friends over at Urban Pro Weekly. Uh, Urban Pro Weekly is a free weekly newspaper in the CSRA that covers issues related to the local community and making a difference is an active part, actually a weekly uh, part of Urban Pro Weekly. We get a column in there, sometimes get some uh, stories and different things like that in regards to what's going on in the community. So glad to be a part of that. Today's show. For the health and wellness piece, we're going to talk about, uh, there's a report that came out from the World Health Organization that said bacon, hot dogs, and other processed meats cause cancer. That's huge. I know because, look, so many of us love bacon. Apparently, it's not good for us. Hot dogs, you know, some summer staples, really just foods that we eat all year, apparently cause cancer aren't good for us. I'm going to jump into that report and uh, give you my perspective on that as well. Got to talk about sports. We're in the Miss of the NFL season. Look, happy about my Panthers, 6-0. and oh. NBA season just started. Chicago, I got a huge win over the uh, defending East champs in Golden State, actually, as we speak, man. They are in a pretty good contest with the New Orleans Pelicans and the World Series. I'm going to give you my picks on who I think is going to win the World Series. But first, the video that everyone is talking about. And I want to say, as a native South Carolinian, born in Augusta, Georgia, but raised in South Carolina, SC, we're in the news again <laughs> for some more bad news. Uh, there was a video that began spreading on social media uh, sites Monday afternoon of an incident that happened at Spring Valley High School. Uh, it's located in Northeast Richland County for uh, South Carolinians, close, um, close to the uh, Columbia area. In the recording, a female student can be seen sitting in her chair in the classroom where several other students are present. An officer can be seen grabbing the student out of her desk, causing the chair to flip over. Uh, once the student is on the ground, the officer can be seen grabbing the student and dragging her for several feet. If you saw the video like I did, it looked like he threw the young lady. Just a surreal video. Um, a civil rights investigation has been opened. Uh, this is per, I understand, the uh, some of the officials uh, in Spring Valley in the Columbia area. Uh, the Columbia FBI Field Office, the Civil Rights Division, and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of South Carolina I have opened a civil rights investigation into the circumstances surrounding the arrest of a student at Spring Valley High School. This is from uh, FBI Special Agent in Charge David Thomas. That was in a statement on Tuesday. Uh, the FBI, uh, he said, will collect all available facts and evidence in order to determine whether a federal law was violated. As this is an, uh, as this is an ongoing investigation, per Department of Justice policy, we're unable to comment further at this time. This actually uh, comes uh, came just hours after uh, Rich. Richland County uh, Sheriff Leon Lott had requested 
that those parties get involved. Alot said that his agency will fully cooperate with federal agencies in the probe, and he wants to make sure that there is no question in the community about a conflict of interest. Make no mistake about it before I go on in the story. Understand the stakes um, and, and where we are in terms of law enforcement first versus the community. And when I say law enforcement versus the community, understand the problem in that in and of itself. Because law enforcement is designed as a construct that is supposed to, by, by the theme, by the motto, serve and protect. Now, unfortunately, and, and really in, in recent months, in recent years, we've seen how in many ways uh, law enforcement, not, not I mean, just on, on a nationwide perspective. And of course, that's, you know, between municipalities and cities and major, metros area, major, major metropolitan areas have let us down. They really have. So. And, and you understand, and, and this sheriff was aware of that and understands what's at stake. So, hey, you know, he's, he's getting um, in front of this situation. Uh, he said late a uh, lot, uh, said mo late Monday night, the deputy Ben Fields, uh, who's the officer involved in the incident, um, will not be back in any school and is not currently working for the department pending the results of an investigation. So, look, uh, we have a sheriff. The sheriff is, is in front of the situation. That's the justifiable part. Now, here's the other part, and this is uh, where my commentary is going to come in. Uh, according to CNN, the, the student who was uh, slammed to the ground uh, by uh, Deputy Fields, according to Lott, uh, said that student, quote, bears some responsibility. Uh, as I mentioned, the student's violent arrest was captured in videos that went viral and sparked widespread outrage. Uh, Lott said if she had not disrupted the school and disrupted that class, we would not be standing here today. Uh, so it started with her and it ended with my officer. What I'm going to deal with is what my deputy did. Um, that is, I believe, sh yeah, Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Lott said. I want to talk about that, that commentary and that idea that it started with this young lady and it ended with the officer because that's really where, where I want to uh, really debate this issue. In terms of that statement, that's complete and utter crap. I mean, there's no other way. There's no nice way for me to say it. That's crap. And I, I want to say more than that, but y'all know how I am. The situation started really when this officer, this deputy, put his hands on a, a little girl. And I say little girl in, in perspective of young, um, young lady in school, um, presumably a dependent. It made a disruptive situation. And I'm not here to dispute whether this was a disruptive situation. This was definitely an adverse situation. There's no, there, there's no debating that. But when you interject an, off, an officer or a deputy or a law enforcement official into a situation, they are there to defuse that situation, not, um, not create a more problematic uh, situation, which is what this gentleman did. He made the situation ex exponentially more dangerous and physical. Not to mention, based on this officer's history, I, this officer probably shouldn't even been in that position in the first place. Shouldn't have been a, a resource officer working at this school. In 2007, a couple sued uh, Deputy Ben Fields, fellow Deputy Joseph Clark, and the Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott, alleging false arrests, excessive force, and violation of free speech rights in 2005. Uh, according to this complaint, Carlos Edward Martin uh, was driving home and got out of his car when Fields approached him and asked him whether he was the source of an excessive noise complaint that the officer was investigating. Uh, Martin claimed that Fields, quote, slammed him to the ground, cuffed him, began kicking him, and chemically maced him until his clothing was drenched and the contents of the can of mace was depleted. 
Uh, when Martin's wife took pictures with her cell phone, Fields told the responding officer to confiscate her phone, according to the lawsuit. A, ju a jury ruled in favor of Fields on some part of the lawsuit, and other parts were dismissed, uh, court documents said. So, yeah, you have a history. He's also, uh, this uh, deputy is facing another lawsuit. Uh, he's one of 10 defendants in another case uh, scheduled to go to trial in January. Uh, in that lawsuit, uh, former Spring Valley High School student Ashton uh, James Reese claims he was unlawfully expelled from school in 2013. Uh, at the time, Field was, was investigating alleged gang activity at the school. Uh, Reese claimed several offenses in the suit, including lack of due process, negligence, negligent supervision, and a violation of the right to public education as mandated by state law. Also got to mention this because I want to be fair. I don't want to just completely throw this guy under the bus. Uh, he was given a Culture of Excellence Award by uh, Richland County Elementary School, uh, where he also worked as a school resource officer in 2014. I presented that that way by design because this is exactly what mass media does. Uh, they present these racially charged stories, and for all intents and purposes, I'm going to call them 50-50 pieces. Um, the reason why I call them 50-50 pieces is um, and, I, and I'll just, get, and I'll, you know what, let me, I need to explain that point specifically before I go on. They present these stories so that you have this, you, you have certain narratives that come out. You have these, you have a idea where it's like, you have uh, what the officer did, you know, the officer may have used excessive force or did something wrong, but you have, you know, uh, an opposing party that, you know, may have been disruptive or, you know, did something controversial. And so what's the, the narrative that you always get? Well, if these people just followed the law, nothing bad would happen. So you have these situations. I can I mean I'm just gonna name name names. Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Walter Scott, Sandra Bland. Uh there's the young the young lady in Texas who was yanked down by a cop at, at the uh, the pool party, forget her name. And again, you get this narrative. If people just follow the law, if they just did what they were supposed to be doing, nothing bad would happen. Well, here's, the, here's my thinking. Would you use that reasoning to justify the death of Tamir Rice? Would you use that reasoning to justify the death of Ayanna Jones? Jonathan Farrell, um, just in, in, in the Charlotte area. Dr. King. I mean, there, there are so many incidents where you have individuals who stand up to uh, the powers that be, who stand up to the government, who stand up to law enforcement, who... You know, may, oh, and and even beyond those individuals, because I understand, I, I know the comparison that people are going to make. Well, you talk in those three individuals. You talk about people who quote unquote weren't doing anything wrong. Well, my thing is this: there's a system in place where if you do something wrong, you're punished. But there is the the idea of excessive force is real. The idea that uh, people are being killed by law enforcement for offenses that in no way, shape, or form are punishable by death. That is profoundly wrong. This is what I had to say on Facebook. I said, it's funny how society wants us to respond to extreme situations, uh, extreme police officers, extreme capitalism, among other extremes, with calm and patience. I said myself, I absolutely refuse to do so. Responding to extremes with the status quo will only reinforce and strengthen those extremes. I see so many of you trying to justify the actions of this police officer in Spring Valley, and it's disgusting. I've seen some of you all cape. I want to say cape. I've seen some of you all uh, stand up and, you know, so, and, uh, and, and cry foul and, and, and outrage over mistreated dogs, yet refuse the same benevolence for a teenage girl. It is disgraceful. 
Uh, it is cowardice and short-sighted to attack the oppressed instead of those who do the oppressing. We no longer have the luxury of apologizing for society's ills. The longer we do, the more we cripple our ourselves and future generations. There is absolutely a place and a time for radicalism and activism. And guess what? That time is now. Gonna go to commercial. Man, I have so much more I, I want to say about this because I, I do want to talk about the um, the response on social media. It's, it's, it's a dynamic response. Um, and then there's the not surprising yet disappointing response of some black folk on social media. Hey, I'm not pulling up no punches on this thing. <laughs> I'm gonna tell it like a TIT is. Come on back with me. You're listening to Making a Difference. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists, Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College. Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I want to share some of the responses to uh, what happened in Spring Valley. Uh, from social media, I want to share this commentary from Urban Cusk. It says, Ben Fields, talking about Deputy Ben Fields, is a sick animal, uh, but he's a small part of a larger societal problem, the militarization of our school systems. Wow. Very strong commentary. I, I want to talk about uh, this situation in terms of, it's, it's not just about race. And understand, race is a vital component of what happened here in Spring Valley. But there are some other key points. I want to, uh, so I'm going to talk about that here in just a little bit. I want to share this commentary from Tim Wise. Tim Wise, if you're on Facebook and you want some great commentary, uh, look, straight no chaser, Tim Wise. I believe he has 151,000 um, people who are following him or like his page. Worth it for commentary like this. He said, as white reactionaries lecture black people to, quote, just respect authority and, quote, do what police tell you to do. In the wake of the brutal attack on a black student by a school resource officer in South Carolina, let us be clear. The problem in this country is not black people disrespecting authority. It's white people reflexively deferring to it. To respect authority just because it is authority is a recipe for a police state. It is the kind of robotic thinking one could only indulge because of relative privilege, because that authority had rarely been deployed against you and yours. It is what slavers said and overseers and segregationists and the lynch mob. In other words, blind appeals to authority are the rhetorical substance of a long and ignoble tradition of oppression. Black people will not bend to that tradition, nor should they, nor should anybody. Authority should stop being abusive, period. Man, I could almost stop the podcast after that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just that good. It's just that poignant. Authority should not only stop being abusive, authority should be accountable. 
And that accountability comes from the community at large is when you see things you don't like, you speak up about it and you say something. That's what we're going to do here on Making a Difference. That's what I want to challenge you to do wherever you are. If you're here, if you are in South Carolina, if you are in the States, if you are outside of the States, anywhere in this country, in this world, wherever you are, if something offends you, speak up about it. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Don't look, don't, um, a little scrappy, however you feel about, how, you know, I got my thoughts on Lil Scrappy in, in reality TV and, and some of his music, but one of the most profound things Lil Scrappy ever said was, I speak my mind because biting my tongue hurts. Oh, my man. Um, with that, want to jump back um, into this conversation about Spring Valley. I mentioned before the break, you have some people, and shockingly, or maybe not so shockingly, African-Americans, who say this young lady was in the wrong. I want to talk to you about the danger of this commentary very quickly. First, you can't compare this young lady's actions to those of the police officer. Now look, she was defiant. Should she be held accountable for her actions? Goes without saying. There are punishments, there are procedures in place to deal with disruptive students. But understand that does not justify what this officer did. And quite frankly, I am sick and tired of people suggesting that is comparable. When you compare the actions of a student who was disruptive to the actions of an officer who was there to serve and protect, who was there as not only a law-abiding citizen, but as a law enforcement, who was there in the role of law enforcement, that dynamic not only trumps what this young lady did, it puts the whole system at risk. And that's what's happening when you talk about the police state, not only a police state in our schools, but really when you talk about society, you talk about a police state. And it's because of this blind acceptance of, well, the police officer did what he had to do. And this has happened throughout history. And the more people try to, and, 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 and let me, I'm, look, I'm going to talk about my people. I understand what black folk try to do. And I, and I understand where some of the self-esteem issues come from, because this is a self-esteem issue. You can't tell me any different. Some of us want to, we, we want to appease society. We want to appease people. You don't want to seem racist. You want to try, you know, we want to try to be in the middle, but understand something. Society is covertly racist. Economic inequality, racial inequality. Um, those things play out in virtually all walks of life, neighborhoods, schools, government. It's, it's profound. It's real. Don't run away from it. Accept it for what it is. Stand on your own too. Again, it's a matter of courage. It's a matter of speaking up because I'm, I'm a, and I'm going to tell you something that's so good about this time. Look, what a time to be alive because you have people who feel the exact same way and people who are not afraid to speak up and say, hey, this is wrong. Making a difference is here with you. People like Tim Wise are with you. Urban Cuss, that's a must follow site. Um, Dream Defenders, there are people out here. There are people in your neighborhood. There are people in your town that feel like this. They just... It's, it's, it's two things, and this is why I, you know, I, lo- I love doing making a difference because I understand that there are some people who are afraid to speak on the issues, but there are other people who can't speak, you know, just can't speak to those issues. Um, if it's a matter of eloquence, if it's a matter whatever it is, just can't speak to those issues. So that I, hey, you know why I'm here, and that's and that's what I'm here for. But uh, back to the self-esteem thing uh, for our entire existence in America. African-Americans have been treated as less than human. Um, and that history rears itself in these types of conversations. Um, but 
here, here's my thing about it. People with this mindset are, are being passive, but your oppressors are very aggressive and they care nothing about you or your family, which is why when I look at the spring, what happened with Spring Valley, I treat that situation like it's a member of my own community because guess what? It could be a member of my community. I have a kid brother right now who's a senior in high school. And again, there is a level of accountability that, you know, uh, with my brother understanding, hey, you know, there's a certain way you have to conduct yourself at school. But to the point where, I mean, it, it could be something as controversial as, you know, uh, officer wants to search your book bag. Officer, you know, uh, maybe giving you some grief about something. I mean, this this is this is what happens. But at the point of an officer putting their hands on somebody and using excessive force, uh-uh. you're 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 never um, going going to going to get me to to concede to to what happened in that video. Um, but um, here's my thing. Um, it as I mentioned, it could be a member of my community, and that's why I, to, to me, I don't think it's it's healthy for people to turn off their activism or to turn off their awareness. Um, you can't just get mad or have an opinion when something extreme happens, because here's why. Um, situations like this just really show just how messed up the system is. And here's another point I made on social media. Um, we, we, we really have to uh, use these situations. We really have to um, use these situations and not allow the media to make it just about race. Because if the media makes it about race, you know what's going to happen. People are going are to get lost in their biases. It's going to be uh, he said, she said, black versus white. And there are a lot of different dynamics here that are going on. To me, when I look at this situation, I see um, challenges in terms of police brutality, in terms of education, in terms of parental involvement. I'm going to speak on some of those things very briefly. Because I firstly believe that parental involvement should be mandated in schools. If you look at some of the best schools in this country, parental involvement is a key component of, the, of said school success. I can tell you, uh, as uh, someone who has uh, look, uh, was born in Richmond County, Georgia, who has worked extensively in that area, I can tell you about a, um, a John um, Davidson Fine Arts. Perennially, year in, year out, one of the best schools in this country. And then just down the street, you have a comparable... Well, I won't say a comparable, but you have a a high school that, well, at at um, I don't know if, if this is still the case, but at some point was considered a failing school. A school that literally, I mean, was in the was in a five minute radius. How how does that happen? A key component is parental involvement, and to me, it should be non negotiable. Some people say, well, you got parents who are who are working. Or there needs to be a guardian in place to be accountable for our, for our young people. And here's what I'm going to do. Um, like it says in Alice in Wonderland, we're going to see how, how, how deep the rabbit hole goes. Because the, and because the next thing people are going to say is, well, you got parental involvement. Isn't this going to demand more responsibility on teachers? I think uh, it's, it's a matter of shared accountability. Right now, teachers are holding the bag in education. And teachers have the least leverage in education because let's look at it like this. The student in the classroom now is more powerful than the teacher. Which means the family construct, while detached, is stronger than the teacher. But then the teacher still defers to administration. So, I mean, the teacher's losing all the way around. So not only does it create a shared accountability, to me, if you say, well, man, 
teachers seem they have a lot of work, a lot more work to do, then I say you should pay the teachers more adequately. What teachers are paid in America is a joke. It it really really it's criminal. Which brings us to another conversation. Where's the money going to come from? I'm glad you asked because if you look at your state's government, and I will speak um, in this situation uh, on behalf of the state of Georgia, which faithless, which has faithfully cut. If you look over the last five, ten years, has cut millions and millions of dollars in education. So, and and you know, in, in this country, we have so much money for defense. And when I say defense, understand that is um, we talk about domestic, foreign. Um, law enforcement, I believe, in, in some ways is a, is a form of defense. We have so much money for law enforcement. Where's the money for education? Where's the money? This, this country, our society, would rather invest more money in prison, would invest more money in, quote, keeping the peace, than to, than to, uh, prom- than to put money in education. Because education is going to promote critical thinking. Education is going to promote, uh, to me, it's, it's going to promote excellence. There, there's, a, there's a great hypocrisy that goes on in our country and that's i'm telling you that's why we have to expand and expound upon these conversations because if i if we if we ever get to a point and we're, and we're at this point now in mass media where you have this situation that happened it's race 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 and you lose the heart of what's going on here um despite what the media teaches and tells you it is possible to have all of these conversations at once. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. We we kind of get this one-track mile with certain conversations. I, I see it with gun control, but it's 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 crazy. But we must continue to have this dialogue. Here's what I'm gonna if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now, share it with a friend. Share it with a with a with a friend. I'm not look. If you share it on social media, you'll share it with a lot of your friends, which I would certainly appreciate and will certainly encourage. But I just want to encourage you to just have, not only to share this podcast, but to have a conversation with someone, uh, maybe somebody in your family, somebody, your, your coworker, challenge each other to have a conversation and, and make it not just about race and make sure it's not just about race, but ask the tough questions of if you have kids in school. Are you know are are you are you involved in, in that child's in that child's life? Are you inv- involved in your child's education? Have you spoken with the teacher this year? It's almost November. If you haven't spoken, you know if you've only spoken once or twice with your child's teacher, you, you're doing it wrong. So, I mean, it's a lot a lot of different things going on here. But contrary to the narratives that are pushed in the media, there are a lot of things, um, a lot of challenges in this country that we got to step up and we and we need to address. I, I, I tell you something. I, I could literally talk about this all day. I, I could talk about the state of South Carolina and some of the things that have gone on just spe- uh, specifically in this state this year alone. You know, when you look at the Confederate flag, when you look at Walter Scott, uh, you, got, you got the flood. Just it's been, a, it's been a crazy year, but I love it. I love it because it's exposing the foolishness that goes on in this state. Um, and, and, and really, South Carolina, you know, it's criticized across the country, but it's really a microcosm of some of just the the nasty and hateful narratives that um, that exist in this country. And it's really, it's, it's, it's steeped in a tradition. I want to talk about this briefly. And um, I'm going to get into this health and wellness piece because some of y'all will be mad about these processed meats. <laughs> when, I, when I read this story, it was really an eye-opening story. And I, I want to be able to share it with you. But I want to tell you, guys, I finally got down to Charleston and went down there and got to downtown Charleston. I saw Mother Emanuel Church. Um, it's... 
it's 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 really something. You know, when you think about what happened there, and I mean, it was such a quaint and quiet time when I went. Um, but I mean, if you could just imagine the horror on that night, and you know, you can't tell me that uh, Dylan Roof, what to me, based on the, if you if you if you haven't been in downtown Charleston, if you haven't been to Mother Emanuel, if you're a uh, if you're a South Carolinian, uh, if you reside in South Carolina, if you reside in Georgia, I mean, really in the, in the Southeast, uh, and, and you want that perspective and those are things that, you know, are interest uh, to you, go down there. And, I mean, just the, the fact, just, just getting down to Mother Emanuel, I mean, this kid just didn't just happen to show up at a church. He knew what he was doing. Um, I believe I believe he was sent there, um, and it was an, it was an assassination um, of, a, of a senator who was rising. Um, quickly um, in the ranks, and not only a senator, but a, a pastor, family man, uh, and and some members of his congregation were taken from us in the most violent manner. But went to Charleston, and there are a lot of things in, in downtown Charleston. Not only Mother Emanuel, but I actually went on a uh, on a carriage ride. Um, had a chance to go, and let me let me just start off a conversation like this. When I pulled up in downtown Charleston, it was just something. It was like a tightness, man, in my spirit, man. It just, it just didn't feel, it just something didn't feel right about downtown Charleston. So I go on this carriage ride, and I'm down there, and it's, it, it's, it's so old South, and you know, I'm going on this tour, and I'm hearing about, you know, the the slate, you know, I'm seeing how this, the slave markets, and you know, there's this area now where it's like a park, but it was, well, you know, during during the old South period and before that, it was a there was a this park area it used to be the gallows where the gallows were, where they hung pirates and they hung slaves. And I understood, man, why that why that tightness was there. It was it was such an oppressive thing, and when it, the totality of it, doing that tour, going to Mother Emanuel, I, I really understood why that was a polarizing event and why and, and really why some of the th- why some things are the way they are. Not only in in South Carolina, um, but in this country and. I am committed, and I pray that those of you all listening uh, into making a difference are committed um, to not only this conversation, but to finding some real, um, profound solutions. I have some ideas. Um, don't don't discourage. You know, people say, you know, you have now you have narratives where people well, not narratives, but ideas where people are saying, hey, we don't like how things are, so we're gonna we're gonna keep our money. We're gonna um, you know, we're gonna hold back our dollars. Black Friday. Some people are boycotting Black Friday, and people say, well, that doesn't solve anything. We, we, we got to get out of that defeatist mentality. Whenever people were willing to mobilize, I support it wholeheartedly. The uh, 20th anniversary or, or 20th commemoration of the Million Man March. Great. It was great to see all those people together like that, man. And and we have to start supporting these things in our community. Um, if if we are authentic, if we are serious about change, then we have to start opening up our hearts and our minds to the idea and the possibility of change. We did it eight years ago, and look what it's done for our country. Um, and you know, when you look at the Obamas and and what they represent, man, like I told you, I can talk about this all day. But we're gonna jump into this health and wellness piece after this break. You're listening to Making a Difference. <laughs> 
Have you gotten a letter from the IRS about an audit, levy, or tax lien? Worried because you haven't filed taxes in several years? Well, stop worrying and call the tax pros at TaxWise Financial on Tobacco Road. TaxWise Financial is licensed to represent you at all levels of the IRS in any state. From the simple to the complex, professional and affordable representation by TaxWise Financial will help resolve all of your tax issues. Call them at 706-305-1412. TaxWise Financial, the wise choice for all your tax needs welcome back to making a difference i'm your host ken Macon. y'all about to be mad at me but i'm gonna tell you don't be mad at me be mad at the world health organization because they announced monday that bacon sausage and other processed meats cause cancer and that red meat probably does as well Oof. uh the re- uh the report by the influential group stakes out one of the most aggressive stances against meat taken by a major health organization and is expected to face stiff criticism in the united states which does not surprise me because we're america Burgers, hot dogs, sauerkraut, and um, <laughs> and a bunch of stuff that's not good for you. Um, the uh, World Health Organization, I'm going to call them the WHO Fund, tends for, um, were drafted by a panel of 22 international experts who reviewed decades of research on the link between red meat, processed meats, and cancer. Um, the panel reviewed animal experiments, studies of human diet and health, and cell processes that could explain how red meat might cause cancer. But the panel's decision was not unanimous. And by raising lethal concerns about a food that anchors countless American meals, it will be controversial. Uh, the $95 billion U.S. beef industry has been preparing for months to mount a response. And some ti- scientists, including some unaffiliated with the meat industry, have questioned whether the evidence is substantial enough to draw the strong conclusions that the WHO panel did. And to me, this is, in essence, what making a difference is about. It's about speaking out against things and, and questioning things that, are, 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 are clearly wrong, are clearly, something, something in the milk ain't clean. I think that's the, the, the ideology, you know, when you look at these things. I mean, processed meats, the way um, that they're put together, the, number, the, the sugar that's in it, the salt that's in it, it's, I mean, it's, it's not healthy. Um, in reaching its conclusion, the panel sought to quantify the risk and compare it to carcinogens, such as cigarettes. The magnitude of the danger appears small, experts said, uh, the WHO panel cited studies uh, suggesting that an additional 3.5 ounces of red meat every day raises the risk of colorectal cancer by 17%. Um, eating an additional 1.8 ounces of processed meat daily raises the risk by 18%, according uh, to the research cited. Um, at the, about 34,000 cancer deaths a year worldwide are attributed to diets high in processed meats, according to figures cited by the panel. I'm going to continue the story, but I want to ch- I, I challenge you, and I'm, I'm challenging myself. I look at nutrition labels all the time, and the reason why I do it is you'll be surprised. I mean, there are some foods that we all know are clearly not good for us, but there is some stuff out here that's supposedly good for us that is still high in sodium, that is still high um, in sugar, and that's why you got to check the labels. Check, you know, how much it is per serving, all of these different things, man. It's almost like the food is like a, it's a form of population control. You know, when you, when you look at this stuff and how they, they push it on us. Uh, I was in Walmart and there was a sign there they were charging for, I think it was, a, yeah, I think it's $8 for a cholesterol screen right next to McDonald's. Boy, I tell you, the, de- the devil is a liar and the devil is alive when you see crazy stuff like that. Um, the research into a possible link between eating red meat and cancer has uh, been the subject of scientific debate for decades with colorectal cancer being a long-standing area of concern. Uh, but by concluding that processed meat causes cancer and that red meat probably causes cancer 
Uh, the WHO findings go well beyond the tentative associations that some other groups have reported. I want to commend the World Health Organization because we see a lot of organizations who are supposed to be um, the, the watchmen, who are supposed to be the, the, the gatekeepers, that really have let food preparation in this country and abroad go to the dogs, no pun intended. Um, the American Cancer Society, for example, noticed, note, notes that many studies have found a link between eating red meat and high risk of colorectal cancer, but it stops short of telling people that the meats cause cancer that may be afraid of lawsuits or whatever. Um, some diets that have lots of vegetables and fruits and lesser amounts of bread and processed meats have been associated with a lower risk of colorectal cancer, the American Cancer Society says, but it's not exactly clear which factors of that diet are important. I'm going to say this here for making a difference. Eat your fruits and vegetables and be mindful of, of what you're eating. Drink more water. I can't, you know, we, we just we just have to be more mindful to, and, and to not only to create this destiny within ourselves, but to make sure that we have a, a healthy lunch for our, our, our children, you know, for our, our spouses, our significant others. Man, we, I mean, just a, a, our alarming findings um, out of out of this report. I'll have to share. I'll have to share that report specifically on the making a difference face book page have another uh, piece here uh, from uh, in terms of Alzheimer's uh, exercise can help ease some Alzheimer's symptoms uh, the physical activity guidelines for Americans are pretty clear they recommend that adults 18 years and older get at least 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise such as brisk walking as well as two or more days a week of muscle strengthening exercises that work all muscle groups uh, unfortunately not many people are paying attention in 2012, only 20% of adults in this country met the guidelines, according to a report by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, the good news is that half followed the recommendations for aerobic physical activity. Apparently, it's that weightlifting part that people avoid. Yet, physical activity has been shown to prevent or minimize the risk of myriad chronic conditions, including high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, obesity, and even some cancers. It benefits the brain as well. Uh, physical activity stimulates the growth of new blood vessels in the brain which provide energy and, and nourishment. Excuse me. It also increases levels of a protein growth factor called brain-derived um, nootrophic factor, or BDNF. Hmm, that's new to me. Uh, which protects the health of brain cells. Uh, they, these changes also strengthen communication between brain cells, um, but they do a lot more. Uh, it's, it, well, st several studies have shown that regular moderate intensity exercise for extended periods of time increases the volume of the hippocampus. Um, which is responsible for memory and cognition and is a part of the brain that is severely impacted by Alzheimer's disease. Now, of course, there's no guarantee that taking a brisk walk around the block will stave off um, Alzheimer's or another form of dementia, but the benefits are undebatable. And if I'm not mistaken, next month is Alzheimer's Prevention Month. We're going to, uh, more than likely, we're going to have some guests um, on the show, uh, you know, during during the course of the month. I know there's going to be a, a Alzheimer's walk uh, that will be coming up uh, in the Augusta Richmond County area so we will uh, keep you all abreast of what's going on uh, with that but I think about Alzheimer's my uh, maternal grandmother has Alzheimer's I have shared that on the show with you guys in the past I, I, I look at the disease and to me it, I think there are just three fundamental factors and I think this is just when you look at health and you know what can just <laughs> you know what, what can keep you and can take you a long way is how you manage stress Staying active and, you know, the things that you eat. If you're mindful of those three things, I I firmly believe that it's going to improve not only the, the quantity of your life, 
but certainly the quality of your life. And to me, I, I think both are profoundly important. We're going to talk some sports when we come back. NFL, NBA, and World Series. You're listening to Making a Difference. I'm Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon. And here we are, the final segment of this great episode of Making a Difference. Thank you all for look, hanging out with me today. Actually, this is uh, this may be helping out some of you guys as you're getting ready to go to work. You may be working out, whatever it is that you're doing. Glad that you uh, decided to make Making a Difference a part of your day. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Here to talk sports. Let's talk NFL first. The Carolina Panthers are 6-0. and I'm loving it. Seriously considering uh, going up to Charlotte this Monday for Monday Night Football, playing the Colts. Colts are, I want to say, 3-4, and 2-4, and four, something like that. Really struggling. Another great opportunity for uh, for the Panthers to be seen in prime time. Never going to a night game in the NFL, and I think it would just be an awesome opportunity, obviously. You know, a little, a little short hop here, relatively speaking, uh, from uh, my perch here in South Carolina. Thinking about doing it. Um, Carolina, 6-0. and I'm looking at the schedule. There are, I mean, it's really looking good. 11, 11 wins, 12 wins, not outside of the realm of possibility. I do believe they'll beat the Colts uh, coming up here on Monday night. Green Bay is going to be an interesting game. I think gut feeling is we'll split with Atlanta. There is a capacity there where I think we could sweep Atlanta, but I'm just kind of trending toward a sign of caution. Dallas on Thanksgiving is going to be a challenging game. Uh, at the Giants, you never know what Giants team you're going to get. And at the Saints, Saints are starting to turn things around. But I, 11-5, 12-4 uh, for the Panthers. Really, <laughs> as a fan, I'm loving it. I don't care what people have to say about the schedule. Look, Carolina's played year in and year out some of the toughest schedules uh, in football. Year, uh, we went 12-4 and four in the regular season. Uh, you got to think, they went to San Francisco and won. Welcome to New England on Monday Night Football that year and won. So Carolina's had their, their share of tough schedules um, over the year. I'm not apologizing for an easier schedule. That was, if you remember when we did the podcast with Jimmy Johnson, the NFL preview. If you haven't heard the NFL preview, go back and listen to that. Some of the predictions are laughable uh, because I thought Baltimore was going to be like, I thought Baltimore was going to win the division. I believe I said that during that podcast. Baltimore is in trouble. Uh, I believe they're at 1-6 after a Monday Night Football loss to uh, Arizona. Arizona's looking good in the NFC. But... Before that game, trade rumors involving Steve Smith. Steve Smith said he would retire uh, if he were traded. Did not specify a specific team, which would lead me to believe, hey, Carolina needs a receiver bad. Baltimore is done. Would love to see Steve Smith come back home. You, can you imagine what kind of story that would be for you know, a guy who practically spent his entire career in Carolina? Um, obviously, you know, had a falling out with the uh, GM there. I would love to see, and of course, Steve Smith, very prideful receiver. Uh, Carolina Panthers, the you know the brass, I'm sure, is very prideful. But, man, bring that guy in. He's going to retire after this year. I mean, what an opportunity. Can you imagine Carolina with a bona fide receiver? I, I, I always go back to Cam's rookie year. Threw for four, um, four, uh, over 4,000 yards. A third of those yards went to Steve Smith. Steve Smith, 1,200 yards receiving. We need a guy who can take the top off the defense. Why, why can't this happen out? But, hey, that's that's life. But, man, Steve Smith and Carolina, and that and that will be a storybook. In, and if you talk about, you know, if, and to me, that's a move that could get Carolina to the Super Bowl. Um, we're going to see how we stack up against Green Bay. Green Bay, obviously, one of the favorites um, in the NFC. Seattle went to their place and beat them. So, I mean, Carol, Carolina's in the mix. I am absolutely loving it. We're going to be tested 
Um, you know, twice to get Atlanta in the division. Atlanta also playing a, a pretty tough schedule. Well, I mean, excuse me, a pretty easy schedule by virtue of uh, them being in our division. But, I mean, the, the NFC, Arizona, pretty good. Just a lot to think about, man. I'm excited about it. Uh, and the AFC, Denver, uh, horrible quarterback play, but still 6-0. Cincinnati's also look really good, too. But we'll get we'll get more uh, into the NFL. Hey, we got some more podcasts coming up this week, man. Aren't you excited about that? Um, we're going to get uh, into some more specifics with the NFL. Just want to run through uh, very quickly here. NBA got off to a great start. Chicago knocked off Cleveland 97-95. Bron James had the ball in the clutch. Uh, Pau Gasol sent one, uh, well, sent a late layup back by LeBron. Sent a late layup um, back by LeBron. And then Cavs had the ball, couldn't get couldn't get in and out. Jimmy Butler came up with a steal uh, to clinch the game. Really good game. As much as I get a kick out of messing with LeBron fans online, they're gonna make the finals. I, I mean, this this just it feels like LeBron's year. You know, you had so much heartbreak last year, but it just, it just feels like this is gonna be his year. You know, despite the fact that they lost tonight. It just has that feel, but man, if the West isn't going to put up a fight, you look at, I mean, right now, Golden State, man, play, um, Steph Curry, 22 points in something like 10 minutes. I mean, just a, a scary good display um, for the uh, defending champion Golden State Warriors. They're playing New Orleans, they were playing New Orleans tonight. Uh, you then, <clears throat> excuse me, another intriguing uh, storyline to me is what's Kevin Durant going to be coming back? And you got Durant Westbrook if Kevin Durant's 100%. We'll love to see what Oklahoma City's going to do. San Antonio Spurs added LaMarcus Aldridge. Man. So I'm thinking Portland's going to be the team out. OKC's going to be the team in. So many different storylines. NBA's going to be fun. Again, we're going to get into that. World Series. Uh, actually, at last check, it gone to the 11th inning. Uh, Kansas City Royals and the uh, New York Mets, which should be an even, an even series. I think it's going to go seven games like it did last year. My heart says the Royals, but my head says the Mets. And I hate that for Royals fans, but I think the Royals are the new Rangers. The Rangers, you know, Texas Rangers found their way to the World Series, but just could not close the deal. And I think that's going to be the case with the Royals. But I would, would love to see the Royals win because I have a lot to tell you. I have a lot of friends, some faithful listeners of the show uh, who are from actually, uh, out of, you know, from the Kansas area, from Kansas, Missouri, um, in that area in the Midwest uh, of America. And I you know, appreciate their support, certainly, for the show. Man, we'll love, we'll love to see y'all pull it through, but I don't know. Um, but, hey, that's that's why they play the games. I gave, look, gave y'all my head and my heart pick. Again, my heart is with the Royals. We'll love to see the Royals take it. But my head saying the Mets. I just, I just think they're going to find a way. And But I, I will say this. Either way, you have two I mean, fan bases who are starving for a championship. And one of, one of those fan bases is going to be uh, rewarded with the best prize in baseball. With that, going to wrap up this episode of Making a Difference. The next, the next episode. Well, let me say this: we're going to do this because we have some, some great community conversations coming up. I had a chance to talk to uh, the former state senator Charles Walker. We're going to uh, upload that podcast here in a couple of days. Same uh, with my, I tell you, my brother, my friend, Carlton Clay, just a dynamic director of Victory Productions. We're going to talk with him uh, in a format. Um, in the community uh, conversations format, but really just talking about dreams, man. And, you know, whether you have an entrepreneurial spirit or something that, you know, you feel like you want to do, you know, there's, there's adversity, but it's, it's adversity that can be overcome. 
And, you know, I, I experienced that with making a difference. KC has experienced that, you know, through victory productions. But we're here. Look, uh, we're to Antoine Fisher. We're still standing, still strong. So uh, we're sticking with it. We're going to have that podcast up for you later in the week. I want to talk about these HBCUs, man. Some crazy stuff that happened at Florida a University, Tennessee State. Uh, apparently, there was a, a fight over a dice game. And just want to talk, want to revisit um, some of what's happening at the, at the HBCUs and who it's up to um, to you know, turn our HBCUs in the right direction. But with that, again, I want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast today. I'm Ken Macon. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. Did you enjoy that episode of Making a Difference? If you did, then I want you to follow and keep up with the Making a Difference movement on Twitter, on Facebook, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. If you're looking us up on iTunes, search for Making M-A-K-I-N-A Difference. SoundCloud, all you got to do is go to soundcloud.com backslash Making a Difference. On Twitter, the handle is Difference Making, M-A-K-I-N. And on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com backslash Making a Difference Show, S-H-O-W. Thank you guys so much for supporting the movement. Love you guys. Peace and God bless.